Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. For everything for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey here with you. Earlier this week, if you missed it, make sure to check out our season preview, give you our thoughts for the entirety of the 2022 season for the Indianapolis Colts, give you the record, where they should end up in the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs, will they win the division? Me and George broke that down all earlier this week. You can catch that wherever you get the Blue Horseshoe podcast. But George, now we can finally dive in deeper, specify on one team week one, just a few days away against the Texans. It's great now. We can actually talk about opponents and talk about an upcoming game coming up. It's great to be in this position. Yeah, and we need a game so badly right now because (laughs) you get to this point in the preseason and you've been talking for a month, you've gone through training camp, but nothing's really changed. You know what I mean? We need some conflict. We need some drama, something one way or another. Somebody has to do well. Somebody has to do poorly. We need something new to talk about. Right. We give so many predictions. We break down, oh, maybe this will happen, or is this going to be a strength or weakness? It's nice now, everything we saw in the preseason, the both the good and the bad, it's like, okay, now we can finally see, are we right, are we wrong? Because now we actually have a real opponent for the Colts to test it out. On. So, of course, we will give you our pick for the game in week number one coming up here in a little bit. We will be going behind enemy lines as well, John McClain, tremendous longtime NFL and Houston Texans reporter, will be hopping aboard here to give us kind of the Texans' perspective heading into week number one. Davis Mills, Damian Pierce, Colts dominated last year. How different are the Texans this year compared to last year? John will give us kind of the behind enemy lines perspective heading into week number one. And of course, we will give you our picks for the game as well. But George, we can't literally talk any more or go any further talking week number one without talking about. The streak. Eight straight season opening losses. Going back to 2013's last time we actually had a season for the Colts start 1-0. So this has spanned different quarterbacks. This has spanned different head coaches, different GMs. So it's not just one person really that's been there outside of Jim Mersey the entire time. Is there any rhyme, any reason, anything you can point to that says this is the reason for an eight-game losing streak and this is why this year it's going to end. No. And you know, the thing of it is it could easily be 10 because you think about that. Or I guess it would be 11. If it didn't happen, the, the one that they won in 2013 was a come from behind win. Andrew luck leaving a drive in the, in the final minutes to beat the Raiders. Uh, and I think after that, they lost in 2011 because of the injury, they lost uh, the opener in 2012 and Luck's first game. So it, it's that close to being 11. Um, it's, it's really kind of, insane they i think only three of the losses are to playoff teams i was doing some research on this the other day they, they've given up over 30 points a game it's like 32.8 or something like that so the defensive woes are probably one of the things that you see uh that, that's been consistent they're only scoring about 20 points a game uh only three of the losses are to playoff teams those are the only three teams that had a winning record in that year and of course the 2020 loss it's to a Jacksonville team that finished one in 15. They, they won that game and lost the next 15 games. The most inexplicable of all of these losses. But I think the one thing you do see if there is any kind of like rhyme or reason to it is injuries. You know, a lot of these games going out. I remember the Detroit game uh, would have been 2016. I believe all the corners on the roster were hurt. Like literally all the corners were hurt. 
And so there was nobody. And then Detroit puts up 39 points. That's the one uh, you may remember. Luck scored late to go ahead 35 to 33. And then they let the Lions come back down in like 17 seconds or something and, and win the game. Uh, you know, last year, the entire roster was either just coming back from injury or nursing an injury or out for the game. Uh, so I guess if there's one thing this year, they're healthy. They're not going to have that to lean on. Uh, for the most part, they're healthy. But yeah, it's it's one. And, and it, the other thing about it is when you look at the other teams on that all-time list of you know longest week one losing streaks, they're teams that with long playoff droughts. The Colts with the AFC Championship game during this streak. It makes no sense on any level. It absolutely does not. And like you said, though, thank goodness for the Browns. 17 trade and active streak. So again, Colts have a long way to go to catch Cleveland right now in terms of making NFL history. And then you look the other two that were tied for uh the second longest nine straight opening game losses, the Eagles and the Brown uh Eagles and Washington, both you know, that span from the 50s to the 70s, different points. So it's been a very long time since we've seen futility. And speaking of long time, I mean, George, you bring up 2013 against the Raiders. I mean, the, you talk about a, a quarterback for then Oakland, Terrell Pryor, who was both actually mm-hmm. killing the Colts on the ground at over 100 yards rushing. Uh, like I said, LaRon Landry was the Colts' leading tackle on defense. Like, you talk about some of these names. The last time the Colts won a week one game, it feels like eons ago. And you're right, right. too. You look, at, you look at who they played. It's not like just like they got unlucky and it's, oh, they've played, you know, the defending champs or they played, you know, a playoff team every single year. They played Peyton Manning and the Broncos, right? A, a good team, like you mentioned. They played three playoff teams. They also, they played a Bengals team that finished 6-10. and 10. They played a Chargers team that finished 5-11. and 11. Like as you mentioned before, they played a Jaguars team that literally lost every single game after that week one game. It looked like the worst team in the NFL that paid the way to get Trevor Lawrence. It's like, it, it doesn't, it is frustrating because you can't even put one reason for it. I do like your injury points. I think you are right. There's been a lot of years where Andrew Luck has, you know, missed the opener. You know, twice he's missed the opener, 2017 and 2019. That's obviously a huge, you know, uh, hurt to their chances. Like you said, Carson Wentz basically had what? Three snaps at practice the entire training camp last year before coming back to play that week one game against Seattle. I do like that you're right. They are healthy entering this year, which is a huge um, boon for them and it's going to help. But also, too, I we talked about this in the preseason. I like Frank Reich playing his guys. They played about a quarter in Buffalo in preseason game number one. They didn't play at all in week number two. And then the finale against the Buccaneers, about a quarter and a half. They said they're going to play two quarters. They played basically a quarter and a half. And now we see in the NFL the trend right is to just sit guys. A lot, te- a lot more teams going in the direction like the Rams are where they just play no one in preseason. Everyone sits, doesn't matter. I actually like the Colts playing uh, their starters for what basically amounted to three quarters this preseason because in part, I think it helps kind of get you ready for the season and you're not just kind of easing your way into it. And, oh, it's week number one. Let's kind of get some rust off and let's just kind of try it out there and see what happens. It's It's been go time already. I think that's also a huge boost in terms of trying to help the Colts end this streak of futility. Well, and I think with a new quarterback, as there is every year here, you know, that that's kind of the, the tradition uh, since 20, what, 17, I think there's been a new quarterback now every year starting. Uh, it's insane, but it's one of the many insane things around this franchise. But I think that plays into it, too, it, getting Matt Ryan out there. Yes, they were very vanilla. As Frank Reich said, they did nothing in the preseason. It wasn't the offense they're going to run on Sunday against Houston. But even just them hearing him call plays in the huddle, hearing his cadence at the line, getting to the line with all those things matter. You know, those are little things that I don't think we necessarily, uh, we take for granted outside of the team, but I think they really matter to, you know, when you're on this football team and you have a chance to be out there with your quarterback, even if you're just going through the motions all the way back to the spring, you know, the preseason games are great for that, but all the way back to actually having OTAs, actually running seven on seven, then having him for the full training camp, I think it's been, I want to say 2016, since the starting quarterback was with the team the entire spring all the way to, to, to week one. So that in itself is a big deal. That's a great point. You're right. Even 2018, Angel Luck returns. 
he they were easing him back, and it was more about him trying to get up to 100% of that shoulder injury than him trying to, you know, make sure he's at his best for week number one. Obviously, this sudden retirement, COVID in 2020, Phil Burris, that was a truncated uh, offseason. Carson Wentz, like we said, he got hurt well, the second day of, of training camp and missed that, you know, basically the entirety of training camp. That's a great point, too, George, where, again, the Colts have a C-word that's going for them and that they haven't in a while, continuity. Like you said, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan has been there. He has not missed any practice. He has been at OTAs. He's been in all the offseason work. He has been working the receivers and the offense, basically been a coach on the field. And now, even though, again, we're entering week number one, and there's still so many moving parts, still so many question marks of, of guys inexperienced at tight end and wide receiver, and even two new guys in the offensive line, this should be the most cohesive group heading into week one. Like you mentioned, the Colts had in six years. That matters. And that is another thing going in their favor that can help end this streak uh, of, like I said, just eight straight losses. It is nice that for the first time in a long time, even though you've had Andrew Luck out there for a long time, and he's been, you know, a part of the streak for a while. It is nice that even with him there, the Colts have had, or the Colts have Matt Ryan, something they haven't had in a very long time. That's that's a huge, huge uh, bonus. And you're right, that's a great point. I think it's an important thing to, to, to watch with this team. The other thing about it that I think goes into the streak Week one's just bizarro world a lot of years anyway. I mean, you go back to last year, Green Bay gets smoked in week one, and everybody's like, what's going to happen? The Packers end up being the Packers. There's always somewhere something extremely strange that happens in this week. You know, everybody's just getting out there for the first time. I think that plays into this a little bit too, but no matter what you want to pin it on, no matter there's, – there's excuses for anything. There's explanations for anything. The bottom line is it's got to end. It's They can't continue to do this – that, you know, we've been talking all month. You can't continue to to dig yourself a hole and spend the entire year trying to come back out of it. And speaking of streaks, there's a streak within the streak. The Colts have played the Texans twice, week number one to start the season, lost both times. So forget about just the eight straight losses in a row. Now it's also two straight losses to Houston to start the season. So I don't know about you. I'm a believer in destiny, George. I will admit it. Maybe that's just a sucker mentality. Maybe that's just... Uh, the eternal optimist in me, always looking for the bright side. I do feel, especially in sports, kind of the stars do align. And I feel like this is one of those games in week number one where the stars align to end. Now, it's not a big streak and, and no one really cares because I think the last time they played week number one was like a decade ago. Yeah. But it's like, okay, you end the two-game losing streak to week one to the Texans. You end this, you know, eight-game losing streak um, to start week number one to start the season. And two, for the first time also in a while, like you mentioned, you can get off to actually a strong start. This, to me, has the makings of everything going well for the Colts to finally, finally put an end to this god-awful streak. But I will say, my uh, to argue with myself, George, I feel like you could say a lot of the same things back in 2020. That, that's just what I was going to say. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it feels a lot like 2020 going into Jacksonville, <laughs> and you're thinking, hey, you know what? This is the year the streak finally ends. They can put this behind them. And then the, that loss was devastating. I mean, it wasn't as bad as the loss at the end of the year last year, but it was pretty close. And, you know, I, I remember just even the the mood around the team was like, what just happened? You know, how on earth? The, and even then, that game starts off, you're, you're on fire, and Marlon Mack has the, the Achilles injury, which he still hasn't recovered from. That's tragic in and of yeah. itself. Uh, but, you know, all of a sudden they're changing the offense mid-swing, it worked out in the long run. Jonathan Taylor ended up having a pretty good rookie year, and, and I think they're pretty happy with, with what they've seen from him. But that day, it didn't work at all. Uh, and it's, you know, go back a couple pieces of trivia that, that are kind of interesting to me. The last time they opened the season against Houston, starting quarterback for the Colts that day was Kerry Collins, which is so that, you know, kind of out there. Yeah, 2011. Holy cow. And then the, the only football employee – who's still on that side of things, not front office, not, you know, anywhere else in the building. The only person on the football side who was employed by the Colts in 2013, the last time they won and is still there is your wide receivers coach, Reggie Wayne. (laughs) That's a great little nugget right there. Wow. That's nuts. That is just hysterical. It is actually how, and that's a good point too. You made before. It's not like the Colts have been like the Browns or the Jets, or even the the Texans recently, where there's just like years and years of poor play and just can't get out of their own way. This is a team that has been to multiple or one AFC title game. They've been to the playoffs multiple times in this stretch. And (laughs) the only person still in play, that's a great one, Reggie Wayne. My goodness gracious. 
Well, when we do return here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, a team that hopes to continue the streak for the Colts and make it nine straight losses are the Houston Texans, a man who knows the Texans inside and out. John McClain will join us next time. Give us what to watch for. Are the Texans truly a big threat to the Colts? John will give us his thoughts when the Blue Horseshoe returns. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Colts fans, we have a treat for you each and every Friday leading into the game over the weekend. We'll get you and take you behind enemy lines. Get to know the opponent a little bit, kind of have you a little bit smarter and know what to look for uh, for whoever the Colts do play. Week number one, it is the Texans. We cannot talk Texans without talking to John McClain. Long time. Well-respected reporter uh, covering the Houston Texans. Now does a great job for gallerysports.com. Does a tremendous job for uh, Sports Radio 610 down there in Houston. And host of the Utopia podcast right here on Odyssey. John, welcome into the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Welcome behind enemy lines. We promise we don't bite. Thanks for giving us a few minutes here. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. So last year, the Colts dominated both of these matchups uh, against the Texans, 31-3, 31-0. Jonathan Taylor, 288 combined yards in those two games, four touchdowns. The rush defense last year for Houston was a big, big issue. Heading into this year, heading into week number one, have there been any improvements you've seen in training camp or it's still going to be a big liability heading into this season? Well, you can't tell Jack squad about training camp and preseason when they keep so many players out and the opposing teams playing backup linemen and backup running backs. And that's one thing to get excited about. When the season begins, we can see what these teams got planned and who's going to be doing what. You know, the Colts are a good team. I picked them to win the AFC South. And, uh, but, uh, the Texans are not. You know, I picked them to go six and eleven. They were four and thirteen last year. They had two of the games they could have won. Lost to New England by three. Lost to the Titans at the end of the season by three. When the Titans needed to win to get home field advantage, Davis Mills played really well down the stretch. Four games, two and two, beat the Chargers. Really kept them out of the playoffs. And uh, and so. When you think about Davis Mills last year, he had no running game. He had no defense, had a terrible run defense, and they were just awful. And now they're hoping that they have provided him some ammunition with a running game, and they've added new players on defense, an entirely rebuilt secondary led by cornerback Derek Stanley Jr. and safety Jalen Petrie, first and second round picks. Linebackers are the same. And then the defensive line has one new starter, Colts fans know him very well, Jerry Hughes. And Hughes only played about a half in one preseason game against the Niners, against the Niners starters. And he was so quick, he reminded me when he was in high school back in Houston when he was a running back. So I don't know if that's going to translate to being better against the run. They were 31st. Yes, they could be worse. They hope they're better, but I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Staying on the defensive side of the ball, uh, obviously Lovey Smith is a Texas guy from Big Sandy. Uh, he was the coordinator last year. How has he changed going back into that head co coaching role? What have you seen from him this year? I've known Lovey since he coached defensive backs for Tony Dungy with the Bucks, and I was covering the NFL between the Oilers leaving and the Texans being born. And I was happy that he got the job because this organization was in such turmoil. And the reason was, and it really dated back 
to March of 19 when Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins for a couple of tomato cans. <laughs> and, and then it didn't stop until Lovey Smith was hired. Along the way, Jack Easterby, executive VP of football ops, acquired way too much power. And I've been writing and tweeting and talking on my talk shows. He's been emasculated. And somebody said, well, what does that mean? I said, it means he's had his footballs cut off and he's been neutered. And so nobody talks about him anymore. He's not around like he used to. He can't dictate things with the media like he used to. They kicked him off the sideline this year where he'd been for three years. So really, he's out of not out of sight, but almost out of mind. And the fact that he's here and he made in conjunction with Bill O'Brien a lot of really bad decisions and everybody wanted him gone when O'Brien was gone, but the McNair family had faith in him then. They don't now. And so they don't have controversy. They were on the verge of hiring Josh McCown. And Josh McCown, they had to pull the rug out from under him at the last minute. They had Lovey Smith, the associate head coach, defensive coordinator. And Lovey had been helping with the coaching search because he got a lot of contacts. And somebody said, well, no, wait a minute. Let's take a step back here. We're getting killed all over Houston and the country for Josh McCown, who's never coached beyond his high school, his sons in high school. And somebody said, well, what about Lovey? Well, I wrote a column today that's on gallerysports.com. And it's free, 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 no paywall about Lovey Smith never thinking he's going to get that third opportunity and the burden he carries because he is the first black coach to be a head coach of three organizations. And he knows if he helps the Texans rebuild, eventually get to the playoffs, that can open some doors for other minorities. When Lovey was fired in Chicago after a 10-6 and six season, and that was in 2012, we're all thinking, okay, back then more more, more minorities – are going to get head coaching jobs. Tony Dungy beat Lovey Smith in the Super Bowl, first Super Bowl with two black head coaches, but it didn't happen. And so that's a burden he carries, and there's been no controversy. He's kind of like he's kind of like got his hand on the wheel of a ship that's just listing because of wet bad weather and waves halfway up the decks. And and since he took over. Everything has been so calm. Doesn't mean they're going to be good. Doesn't mean they're going to be better. It just means this organization for the first time since they hired Bill O'Brien. Because with Bill, it was always something. And now it's just calm and peaceful during the week. It's funny, John, because the Colts and Texans, I guess, especially going to week number one this year, are kind of similar in the fact that now the Colts have not had the same drama the Texans have had, but they've had their own drama of quarterbacks, of injuries in preseason. And now this is me and George were just talking before. This is like the first regular season opener where there's actually been it's been a boring training. Camp. There's not a lot to talk about in terms of controversy or injuries or quarterback changes. And it sounds like in Houston, kind of the same thing where Levy Smith has at least settled down the ship and kind of settled this team down outside of just, bringing, let's say, more competency to the organization. Anything else you've been seeing, whether it's, you know, more discipline, better time management, you can kind of see or uh, going into this year, maybe especially early on in week number one? Uh, Nick Casario heads the organization. He has final say on every personnel decision. He and Lovey work together really well. I wrote a column about that this week, that they finally have some stability at the top of the organization for the first time since Gary Kubiak was here. Because as soon as Bill O'Brien got here, he tried to get rid of general manager Rick Smith. Then he got his hand-picked general manager. Brian Gain didn't like him, got rid of him before Jack Easterby backstabbed O'Brien and got him out of here. So Lovey is a proven coordinator who, 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 did a great job last year of forcing more turnovers. Now, he plays a lot of zone. He always says he wants his players looking at the ball, not having his back turned. And so I would think they had 25 last year. They should get that or more because they have a few more talented players on defense than they did. And um, I don't – you know, maybe the Colts will blow them out like they did the last two. I'm sure Frank Reich would just like to win his first regular season opener and uh, especially get that bad taste of the Jacksonville game out of their mouth, and that should linger until they win a game, and they should be able to start successfully against the Texans, and then we'll see after that. And uh, I think uh, 
I'm writing a column tomorrow from my radio station's website on the two quarterbacks having a lot of pressure on them, but for different reasons. And I looked it up. When Matt Ryan was the first pick in 08 draft, Davis Mills was a Falcon fan in Atlanta who was 10 years old. And that was going to be the lead on my column. And so you, Mills played really well last year. Ryan did not. And it was because he didn't have any weapons other than rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. He had no running game. He didn't have Julio Jones, who didn't do squat at Tennessee. And then uh, Calvin Ridley had uh, mental issues, and now he's suspended for the year. But Ryan didn't have his top receivers, and now he comes there with Jonathan Taylor. He's got to feel like he died and went to heaven. I think that's true. From talking with Matt Ryan, I, I think that's a pretty accurate statement. Uh, you mentioned a guy earlier that's really of interest to me. I thought Derek Stingley was one of the most interesting guys in this draft. Uh, you can make the argument when he was a freshman at LSU, he was the best defensive back in the nation that year. Uh, next couple of years didn't go quite as he planned. What have you seen from him? He seems like from the outside, he's he's been a pretty mature guy. He he got a Liz Frank injury and had to have surgery. That's what happened to him after that freshman year. And when they used the third overall pick, only the third cornerback in history to be taken third overall, took him over Cincinnati Sauce Gardner. Uh, they gave it. They had a plan for him physically to bring him through the OTAs, training camp, preseason and designed to get him where he could play most of this game against the Colts. And if you're the third overall pick, you're gifted, and you're supposed to be a superstar, not right off the bat. And he's going to he's gonna give up plays because they all do. And the key is how does he bounce back? And when he was a freshman, they said he could have played in the NFL then for that unbeaten team under Coach O. And people like him here. He looks the part. He sounds the part. He's got good size and speed. And he played a little in three, three, in two of the three games. And now people here are hungry to see what's going to happen when he gets to play a whole lot more. And he and Jalen Petrie from my alma mater, Baylor, Petrie went in the second round, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. How many players coming to the NFL who are really good who stay in college five years? Maybe not none, but Petrie did while he's there. He got a master's, started working on a doctorate. Now he's in his hometown, and I can't tell you how much I respect that guy. Those two should be starting here for a long time. Key is the other guys in the secondary, Jonathan Owens, whose claim to fame has been he's Simone Biles' fiance. I make jokes that someday they're going to say Simone Biles, Jonathan Owens' wife, and Steven Nelson, with his fourth team in seven years, he starts opposite Stingley. And so they're going to, if I'm Matt Ryan, I'm coming out, I'm going to test them early and often deep, even if it's incomplete, to let them know this is what we're going to do, because that's going to open up play action for Taylor. And if I'm the Texans, I, some people say here, well, let Taylor get his yards and stop everything else. That's not a game plan. Game plans, as you guys know, coaches say, well, we got to stop the run. They're not going to stop Taylor. They got to contain him. They got to keep him from rushing for 145 yards with an 87 yard gain and scoring four touchdowns. That is first and foremost. In preseason, they led the NFL in sacks by a long shot. It doesn't mean anything, of course, but they rushed the quarterback with a four man front, seldom blitz. And that's another reason Lovey Smith wants a lot of turnovers. He's got a lot of guys in coverage. And so if they could get pressure against a good offensive line, which is doubtful with their four-man front, that would help alleviate some of the pressure that would come from Ryan trying to throw the ball downfield. Good thing is at least they know where Matt Ryan's going to be in the pocket, but they knew where Carson Wentz was going to be, and he killed him. If, if Wentz had played against every team like he played against the Texans, not only would he be back in Indianapolis, he'd have been first-team All-Pro. <laughs> They were right on his finger possibly too there, Johnny. Like you said, those two games last year, he was tremendous. Flip side of the ball here for the Texans and offense. The name I've been hearing almost all training camp that's been popping off, Damian Pierce, rookie out of Florida running back. The Colts, look, it's training camps. We've, you know, all three of us on the same page here. You got to take it with a grain of salt. The Colts' rush defense has been an issue for sure. With him, with, with Pierce kind of blowing up so far in training camp, what have you seen from him early on? And how big of a problem is he going to pose to the league this year, and especially week number one? When he was drafted in the fourth round, I immediately said on my talk show, I th said he would 
threatened Steve Slayton's 2008 rookie rushing record of the Texans, 1,221 yards. And my calls looked at me like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, it wasn't because of me. It was because of two or three NFL people who went to Florida who watched every game and just railed at Dan Mullen because they wouldn't give him the ball more. He started one game last year, started only 11 in his career, kind of like Davis Mill at Stanford started 11. But Pierce was really good when he played. And I wrote this week in a column for gallerysports.com, the reason Dan Mullen is in an analyst role at ESPN was because I mishandled Damian Pierce and his quarterback, Anthony Richardson, and which people saw in the Gators' first victory uh, Saturday night. And so Pierce is a, is a – he's 218, he's 5'10", he runs low, and he's really quick at cutting. And he didn't get to play in the preseason with three of his starting offensive linemen. Now, he only carried the ball 11 times, but he averaged 7.8 yards carry without the benefit – of a long run and he moves people. And so people here are fired up because they haven't had a thousand yard rusher since Carlos Hyde in 19, but he had a thousand and seventy. And today getting a thousand yards isn't a big deal. To me, with 17 games, you ought to be getting at least 1200. And so the last time they had a legitimate runner here was, was Arian Foster. And you guys remember well his coming out party when the Texans beat the Colts here, and he rushed for, I think, over 200 yards. Now, I'm not saying Damian Pierce is going to be Arian Foster because he had a five-year stretch in which he was magnificent, never had less than 1,200 yards, and but he's good. And I think the Colts know it from watching him on tape. We saw it in preseason. Lovey Smith and Nick Casario have tried everything except locking him in a closet to try to, to dampen the media, fan, and social media enthusiasm for Damian Pierce because he's just a rookie with 11 starts in college and 11 carries in preseason. But I can tell from doing this for the last 48 years, the kid's going to be good if he stays healthy. And their offensive line, which is will only have uh, one new starter against the Colts, but they'll get to see second number one pick guard Kenyon Green come in at some point. Only reason he's not starting is he had a concussion that allowed him to only play one preseason game, but he'll come in. And Pierce is going to be good. But you know what? Unless they can throw the ball, they're going to face eight-man fronts. Uh, last one for me. I just wonder from an outside, you know, on <laughs> someone looking on from the outside, what do you see from this Colts team? What are your expectations for them this year? Two-team race again, and I would say if the Colts want to win the division, they better beat Jacksonville, and I say this about them. I think Matt Ryan is going to make a difference. I don't know what the problem was there with Carson Wentz, but obviously behind the scenes, the guy was what they thought he was at Philadelphia, Frank Reich. Whatever he developed into, obviously Frank Reich and Chris Ballard weren't prepared for it, and now he's gone. And Ron Rivera thinks, well, just because they couldn't do it doesn't mean I can't do it. But Ryan has always been a great team guy. He's tough. You know he's got a lot to prove coming off of his worst season since I think his rookie year when they were 11-5. and five. And, and I'm sure like other quarterbacks, he wants to play into his 40s. And I think he's going to make a heck of a difference as long as Taylor stays healthy. What what I'm curious in, I always liked Jack Doyle. I always thought Jack Doyle is like that name should be an arm breaker on the docks in New York for unions or guys that are loan sharks. I just thought Jack Doyle. Now, Jack's gone. He used to torment the Texans. The, the guy that this is his second home is no longer around, T.Y. Hilton. So I'm eager to see what they're going to do with Stingley and Pittman. Do they have Stingley cover him all over the field? I'm guessing no, not right off the bat when he played so little in preseason. But you got to think if you contain him, their next leading receivers have been running backs. And uh, that's where the linebackers come in. So I, I think as long as Ryan stays healthy, and the defense stays relatively healthy. Texans would love Shaquille Leonard to have missed, a, missed this game 
And when they found out he's going to be healthy, that's not good because you guys, guys know how great he is. And he's had some big games against the Texans. But I think it's come down to injuries. Titans lost their best pass rusher, Harold Landry. They lost their best receiver, A.J. Brown. That has to have an effect on a team. But I do think this, whoever wins this division, has got a good chance to host playoff games because I think the AFC West, they'll beat the hell out of each other. And the and the home field advantage will not come out of the AFC West. Let's wrap it up with this, John. Maybe finish my sentence if possible. The Texans win on Sunday if. The Colts get food poisoning <laughs> at their hotel. And Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard, Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman, and DeForest Buckner can't play because of food poisoning. Well, one thing to watch out, John, Nick Cross is his 21st birthday on Saturday night. George was saying, you know, maybe keep an eye out on the Houston bars. Maybe there's a big 21st birthday party that, you know, goes too late in the night. That could be a big key to watch out for. Yeah, I'm telling Ross, we got a lot of great gentlemen's clubs here that stay <laughs> that stay open till about 4 a.m. I don't know. People have told me that. But uh, it's a great city for partying. But I don't see any way the Texans can beat the Colts, and I don't care if Frank, Frank Reich had won a regular season opener. He's going to do it now because the Colts are a division contender for that title, and the Texans – are trying to avoid picking among the top three or four again. Most people here are picking them with five or six victories. Well, see, I told you we didn't bite. Thank you for coming and kind of behind enemy lines there, John, and previewing this game for us. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for having me, and good luck to the Colts this season, and Frank and Chris and Jim Ursay. By the way, Jim Ursay sent me the nicest thing. I retired from the Houston Chronicle March 31st, and I did it so I could get my pension and I could start doing commercials at my radio station. And then I had another writing job pop up. But Jim sent me the nicest note of football, a Colts football, congratulating me on 47 years at the Chronicle. It was such a class act, and I appreciate it so much. And I respect Jim and what he's achieved with the Colts just so much. So I want to say thank you to Jim and Matt Connie, one of my favorite PR people in the NFL. Matt he sent your guitar, huh? <laughs> he did not send me <laughs> one of those collector's items that Jim's got locked in storage somewhere. Although if he knew I was in a band when I was young, maybe he would. Well, we got to let Jim know. Let him know, hey, next time, send the guitar over. Thank you so much, John. Guys, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy the season. Thanks a lot. You too. An interesting footnote from John there, George, was Damian Pierce. Like, like this has been a name in fantasy circles and kind of the, the national NFL talk as really one of the most impressive rookies of all the NFL so far. He's already taken over the number one uh, running back role. This is a guy that I think does post a really nice test for the Colts right away because like we've talked about the rush defense question marks. It's nice that even though it's the Texans and they're not filled with talent and you hear John not being very optimistic, especially week number one, but it's still a nice test right away to see where this Colts rush defense truly does stand up. Yeah, you know, and then the the one question, and he kind of alluded to it, is about Shaq Leonard, and that's going to factor into this. You know, is he going to play? Is he not? On Thursday, he was limited. What does that mean? You know, we're going to read into that probably all the way up till Sunday, so or at least whatever day they announce his status. Uh, but it's, yeah, I think the run defense is is something that's been in question throughout this this preseason, and it's something that is going to get a real test. And, and we've seen the Texans take these quote unquote unheralded running backs. He mentioned Arian Foster. He was undrafted and he chose mm -hmm. Houston because he looked at that depth chart. He thought he could make a difference. Had a career that was so good that Jonathan Taylor mentions him a lot when he's talking about the guys he watched when he was younger. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the goals of the Colts this week. Don't let Damian Pierce become the next Arian Foster. That is for sure. All right. So we, we've broken down the street. We've discussed, we've gone behind enemy lines, talked to John McLean, a uh, longtime Texans reporter, get his view on this game. It is time to give our picks. Will the streak, the eight game week one losing streak for the Colts finally come to an end. We'll give you our predictions when the blue horseshoe podcast does return. All right, George, we hit on the streak. We have talked to John McClain and kind of gotten his view on the Texans heading into this week number one matchup. It's prediction time. Colts, Texans, interesting. Uh, again, Vegas, I guess, doesn't care about past history, doesn't care about this Colts uh, eight-game opening uh, week losing streak. 
Colts have one of the biggest spreads or one of the biggest favorites of all the week one slates. Seven points on the road in Houston. What is your prediction? Are the Colts going to end the streak? Is this the year, George, 2022, where the streak comes to an end? Yeah, I'll, I'm going to guarantee it's going to continue now by picking yeah. the Colts to win the game. <laughs> And uh, I, I think it's going to be, I'll say something like 27 to 10. I mean, last year, the, the scores were very, very similar. I think it's going to be along those lines. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I'm really excited to see it because I, I don't know what to expect. You know, we haven't seen much from this offense at all. Uh, we Even the defense has been pretty vanilla. You know, is Shaq Leonard going to play? Is he not? I guess that's the one kind of like mystery out there. Um, but I think, They've got to show. We've been talking about it all month long. They've got to come out and show things are going to be different this year. And you can't do that without winning this game. 100%. I like yours. I'm going to go a little bit higher, but I'm kind of in the same ballpark. I'm going to say 31-10. Colts win this one. I think they dominate. This is a really good matchup for them. Kind of get out here, get in the open, and kind of get 2022 off to a good start. Um, I know, again, we've said that about many opponents of Colts have played in week number one, but this is, we've highlighted before a lot of the reasons why I do think this year is going to be different. And this is going to be, especially, I think a game where we have questions about the offensive continuity. And again, we haven't seen a lot from Matt Ryan, the receivers, we have questions, you know, at the skill guys outside of running back. I think this is going to be a game where Jonathan Taylor is going to go off. Like he dominated the Texans last year. I think this could be a game where I'm going to say, we'll go exact here, 138 yards two touchdowns. This is a game where I think they feed him early and often and kind of ease the passing game in by taking the pressure off by just running Jonathan Taylor right through this Texans defense. I I, I agree with you on that. I, I wonder, I don't know if the official deed has transferred yet, but you can make a case that ownership <laughs> of the Houston Texans has passed from T.Y. Hilton to Jonathan Taylor. He's averaging 115 and a half yards in four career games against Houston, which is insane. Five touchdowns in that stretch so more than a touchdown a game the only team he has more rushing yards or a higher per game average against is Jacksonville which is really incredible considering what they did to him the last two games of last year uh, but that's he had that 250 yard game uh, at the end of 2021 which which helps those numbers a lot but he's just consistently torn up the Texans uh, I think the Colts need that again from him he's certainly fresh he didn't do anything in the preseason he's ready to go uh, I think you know it's it's been Jonathan Taylor's world down there in Houston. I mean, you look back, even just last year specifically, you look at just the two games, 288 combined rushing yards, four touchdowns. George, it almost feels like it was just a carbon copy of week six, and then a few weeks later, he had 143 yards and then backed up with 145 yards, two touchdowns in each game. You got to think Lovey Smith, especially being the defensive mind that he is, I mean, if I was him, honestly, I would put 10 guys in the box. Like, I would just say, screw mm -hmm. it. If we're going to lose, we're going to lose to Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce, but we're not going to lose to Jonathan Taylor because this is a guy that absolutely has killed them the last few times, and this is going to have to be a game where if they truly want a chance to win, they're going to have to stop them. I just don't see how that's going to happen. Yeah, it, it hasn't. And even putting a bunch of guys in the box, that's what Bill Belichick did last year, and Taylor still went for 175 on the Patriots, and – you know, had the, the long run at the end to, to clinch it. So even that's not a foolproof solution. It, I think it's, I agree. I think it's the only option they have, but even that might not work. And absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be almost an impossible task for sure. But I think that's also going to be a key for the Colts. Like, you know, we've talked about a lot about Matt Ryan. We really haven't talked about Jonathan Taylor for obvious reasons. He, the guy is proved on the field, right? He's really one of the few sureties the Colts have going to the season. He's done nothing the preseason, which is a, a godsend for sure. But it's like now you, you start to look, right? And with all the questions we have about tight, uh, tight end receiver, who can kind of step up, I think it's going to be a game where, too, you rely on Jonathan Taylor helps open up the rest of the passing game. And now you should get better one-on-one -on -one opportunities for Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell, Molly Cox. And that's going to be one of those things where I think early on, the Colts will rely on the run game, kind of open up the pass game. I do think it will evolve eventually later in the season, but especially week number one, this is the perfect opportunity. Establish Jonathan Taylor, kind of knock some of the rust off in a way, like I said, he's really haven't done anything this preseason. And then also help to open up and ease the pass game kind of into this offense, kind of get him going. That's going to be, that's going to be a huge key for sure. How about numbers, George? What are a few stats? What are a few, I guess, needed numbers that we're looking at for week number one where if the Colts either hit this barometer, they're going to win, or if they prevent the Texans from getting this number, that's going to also ensure victories. Is there one or two numbers that kind of stick out to you heading to this week number one matchup? 
Well, you mentioned Lovey Smith earlier in the defense, and we know what that defense is all about because we saw it here in Indianapolis over two different eras for for a long period of time. It's all about takeaways, right? I mean, that's when that cover two is 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 humming, they're getting the ball out and they're they're forcing turnovers. And I think it, if you look back at not just the opening day losses, but the bad losses that this Colts team has had, especially under Frank Reich, it's when they turn the ball over. Go back to that Jacksonville game. Where's the killing stretch? The start of that third quarter, back-to-back turnovers by Carson Wentz, all of a sudden a, a game that was sloppy but in reach suddenly is a huge Jacksonville lead and they just go on and win. You can't have that. I think zero turnovers is – that's my number for this game. No matter what else happens, get Jonathan Taylor going, open things up for the passing game. All those things are perfect. They, they need to happen. None of it's going to matter if you turn the ball over. I think that that's my big number, zero turnovers. That's how I mean, it's textbook. And they said, George, we've seen it firsthand too many times. This Colts team, you let bad teams hang around and you all of a sudden force a mistake. That that's how games, you know, kind of flip on their head. And that kind of that same vein, I'm going to go rushing yards here. The Colts defense has to limit Houston to under 75 rushing yards for really two reasons, or actually three reasons. Number one, as we know, this has been an issue in the preseason more. Just, I want to see, can this Colts defense is that, you know, is what we saw in the preseason. They're just getting gashed by second and third string running backs. Is that going to continue in the regular season? This is the first test for it. Number two, if there was a way for the Texans to win, I think the Colts talent wise, you know, matchup wise, severely have a big advantage over the Texans. One of the ways to kind of flip the game on its head outside of turnovers, like you mentioned, it's controlling the clock, kind of dominating time of possession, keeping the Colts offense off the field. When would they do that? Running the ball. Damian Pierce has gotten a lot of, you know, a lot of attention this preseason for, for being, you know, for playing really well, kind of stealing that starting role as a rookie coming out of Florida. So they're high on him. And this is a guy that, again, if the Colts don't take him seriously or have the same holes that they've had in the preseason, you go for 130, 140 yards. And next thing you know, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., they're not on the field. And it's like, you know, when you're, if it's a 40-20 or 38-22 time of possession discrepancy, you're not winning many of those games, even when you have the talent advantage, you know? So eliminating the run game um, can help the Colts kind of shore up what's been a weakness this preseason, kind of allow us the first litmus test to see, is this truly a concern or not? But also, too, I think one of the few ways the Texans have a chance to make this game competitive and close, I mentioned turnovers and, you know, killing the clock and holding on to the ball a lot, which is going to be running the ball a ton. Uh, so limit the run game for sure. Any other numbers, George, that kind of stick out to you uh, when we look at this week one matchup? It's not a number, but it's a situation. You know, you, Ooh, you talk okay. about that run game and, and Pep Hamilton, obviously the offense coordinator in, in Houston, he was here for a while as well. That's his bread and butter. You know, he wants to be physical. That He wants to get, you know, in the trenches up front, win the battle there. Everybody does, but he really emphasizes that. But I think what's interesting is he actually worked with Gus Bradley with the Chargers. So they have a little bit of history together. You've got them on either side of the ball. Now, the Colts defensive coordinator, the Texans offensive coordinator, they have a little history. They've been together. They know each other very well. They practice against each other for an entire season. Uh, Be interesting to see how that plays out. The Colts have to win that battle. You know, that's one of those things. They both have good intel on, on one another. The Colts have to win that battle. And that's been, you know, really both sides of, of the ball, question marks of the Colts when it comes to the interior, right? Two new starters on the offensive line and the defensive line. We've talked about the necessity to get after the quarterback and also stop the run as well. You're right. That's going to be the trenches is definitely something to watch for sure. I'll go one more number, George. I don't think this is a necessity for the Colts to win the game, but at least for me to feel good coming out of week one outside of just seeing a win for sure, which is going to obviously be, you know, first and foremost, I want to see Matty Ice complete 65% of his passes. You know, completion percentage and accuracy was an issue for the Colts last year with Carson Wentz, as we know. It's kind of all or nothing. Matt Ryan is a guy who should be a, a high-volume completion guy. Accuracy is one of the best things about him. And also, too, I think if he's at that number or even higher, then that shows not only, you know, he's feeling good kind of in the groove, but these receivers and tight ends are also making plays. You know, it's not just going to be Michael Pittman Jr., but can Alec Pierce, you know, again, make a play or two? Paris Campbell can... You stay healthy, number one, and then two, you know, get get a few uh, catches, go your way. I think Matty Ice is going to be someone who's, who's spreading the wealth around a lot this season, uh, which is going to be, you know, both good and bad because it's going to hard to be game, uh, hard to game plan. But also, too, it's going to require a lot of contributions from 
five, six guys deep, right? In between receiver, tight end, and running back as well. Um, so if he's at least completing that percentage of passes in the week, the opener, week number one, I think that's going to be a good sign for the Colts offense moving forward that this is a pass offense that, again, can still be good and not, and maybe quell some of those early concerns we had. And again, limited preseason action, not a lot of productivity from the first string offense. Yeah, not be the 26th ranked passing game. I mean, we, we keep right. hammering that, but that's when you have the second best run game in the league in the 26th pass, 26th ranked passing game, and you don't make the playoffs, the finger's going to get pointed in one direction pretty easily. Uh, I think it's interesting you were talking about like using multiple weapons. I go back to 2018 and Andrew Luck's first year here, or not his first year, Frank Reich's first year here, and his <laughs> only year with. With Andrew Luck, I think they set a record with, I want to say, 14 players caught touchdown passes that year. I know it was a record for the number of players that caught touchdown passes. I can't remember the exact number. You're probably not going to get there. But that's when that offense was really rolling with Andrew Luck, that's what they were doing. You know, they're going to everybody all over the field. Uh, There's a different guy every week. Eric Ebron obviously had the the bulk of those catches. But even with that, when he had 13 touchdown catches and you still set a record for the number of players who caught a touchdown pass, it tells you how much they were spreading the ball around. Uh, I think that's key. And then as far as the completion percentage goes, they're going to see a lot of zone. I assume they're going to see a lot of zone. That's what Lovey Smith does. Matt Ryan needs to take advantage of that. That's where a veteran quarterback, we've seen it on the other end for years here in Indianapolis. He needs to take advantage of that. He should absolutely have a really sky-high completion percentage in this game thrown to the holes in that zone. Especially, too, if Jonathan Taylor goes off like we both think he will on Sunday, that's going to really leave you know these uh, corners on an island and make it uh, tougher and tougher for them to slow down this Colts offense. So you're saying 27-10. I'm saying 31-10. Colts fans, rejoice. This should mean the next time we are talking to you Sunday night after week number one, this should be a very happy streak-busted podcast. If not, George, is there? do you have any idea what your emotions are going to be like? I don't know if we're allowed to curse on the pod, but I imagine <laughs> if the Colts lose week number one, th- there's going to be a lot of expletives flags. It's just, here we go again. It's going to be, this might be the, the one of the worst out of the nine. Is there a dump button? I mean, can, yeah. can, you, can you go that way with it? Uh, I It'll be like 2020 all over again. I mean, I, I don't have to think that far back to that Jacksonville game. And, and like I said, there was a lot of despair, even in that locker. I don't know. The locker room was despairing. But there was a lot of disbelief that they were 0-1. And, you know, I, I think that would be compounded this year because it just can't happen. I mean, right. the, the expectations you have for this football team, uh, you can't lose this game. There's no other way to put it. You can't lose this game. To steal a line from the great Al Davis, just win, baby. Just win. We Colts fans, we both are predicting a win. And fingers crossed we will see that on Sunday. But between now and then, Make sure you're checking out George's coverage of the Colts at GM Bremer on Twitter. You can follow me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We both will be incessantly tweeting on Sunday as the Colts do finally take on the Texans. Week number one, get the 2022 season underway. We will be back Sunday evening, Colts fans. A, a uh, The next podcast right after the game, instant reaction to what we hope, we pray, It's a week one victory over the Texans. So make sure between now and then you're downloading and subscribing to stay uh, into with all things Colts on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.